about funny stuff. Serious about food. Serious about anything that I'm in the mood for. Serious. Let's get serious. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Talk to me, talk to me, tell me about your fantasy. Let's get serious. Hello, this is Kendall. You're listening to Let's Get Serious. I messed up. It's okay. I don't think it's okay. We talked for like three minutes, and then I realized it wasn't recording properly. I feel so out of sorts now. I apologize. Don't don't we let have, it bother you. Should we try to recreate what we were talking about, or just forget it? Probably not. Not Why exactly not? what we were talking okay. about. Well, to summarize, uh, my guest is Tim Sosko. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I spell my name S O S Z K O. Correct. Yeah. Which is uh, confusing to some people. Turns out, through our conversation, we figured out that it's uh, either Polish, it's a via I, Russia. I, yeah, it's a it's a Russian name, but my family's Polish. Yes, and uh, what else did we cover? We started talking about traditions uh, mm-hmm. culturally involving feasting on Christmas Eve for two and a half to three hours, and yeah. it's not as you were saying gluttonous just uh, that's we just constantly a plan. eat <laughs> yes. yeah. it's a uh, it's all about uh sitting at the table with friends and family and then you know one course comes so you'll have a whole bunch of different types of pastas and uh we you, and mind you this is just what we eat you know it could be the potato thing so you get mm. a lot of different potato a vegetarian meal and, hmm? a vegetarian meal yes and it's it's vegetarian in the sense of vegetarian so we do have we do have cheese we do have fish we do have uh, honey you know so it's like not that. vegetarian i isn't vegetarian well, isn't vegetarian fish you can eat no fish that's called it's called something else well then it's called pesc pesc oh os- pescatarian pes- or something yeah something there's like a different if you eat fish because the vegetarians are kind of like well you know fish is an animal yes well then you but know there's what? a name for it and uh and we would seem to, we would appear to be smarter men if we if only if only Mandy were still here she would correct us she and would then we would just know. we would just say it so anyway we could talk about that but we already talked about that we did the people at home didn't get to hear it but they're out you know, of luck sorry gotta leave a little mystery there and that's where we'll we'll put it your family's um, Christmas Eve tradition traditions yes why are we here today I'll tell you please do and then you t- because <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, or maybe there is no right or wrong. But uh, Tim, you are a performer mm-hmm. here in Chicago. You also sometimes are a teacher. Yeah, actually, I would say I'm I'm half and half. You half know? and half. I, I teach just as much as I perform. Okay, and I would say that I make the majority of my money in teaching and what is it that you teach and perform oh man anything theater related uh i've taught a poetry class and then along with that like spoken word and how to perform your pieces uh i've taught uh puppetry i've taught puppetry yeah yeah yeah. you'd be surprised at how many people don't and mind you a lot of that was for kids but i've done adult workshops before and people just don't know how to do it i need a puppet you should get, you should get one of you. 
No, I don't need you got, one. I don't oh my need God, it'd be me. great with the glasses and the <laughs> hair and everything. You got it. You have a good head and face for a puppet. Oh, well, thank you. Thank <laughs> and I mean you. That in a nice way, you know, can I use that as like a, uh, like a review pull quote? I think so. <laughs> He's Please got do. a nice head for a puppet. <laughs> Tim Sasko, teacher at blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, so, so quickly, why don't you give us a, a list of like the places that you teach and stuff? Uh, currently I teach at, with barrel of monkeys, which is we go around to Chicago public schools and teach residencies there about uh, creative writing and then how they can, how they act as well. Um, not how they act, you know, teaching them acting as mm-hmm. well. And, then, and this is for what gr- age range? Uh, this is from third grade to sixth grade, okay. pretty much. Barrel of monkeys. Barrel of monkeys. And then um, we'll take whatever they write, and with a bunch of other professional actors, we uh, uh, turn it into a show and then perform it for that school. I just realized that your shirt says Barrel of Monkeys, and it kind of freaked me out for a minute. I actually just came from a field trip <laughs> with them. <laughs> I was like, ah, we were just talking about that. And then I was like, well, that's not weird at all. And I didn't take off my sweatshirt just for that, just to be like, look at what I'm wearing. Uh, um, so on the shirt, it has a monkey, it, what looks like some sort of computer or something? At a typewriter. Yeah, the typewriter. The old, it's the old monkey at a typewriter? Yeah, the old adage, thousand monkeys, thousand typewriters, writing the greatest works of Shakespeare or something. Mm-hmm. And what's your take on that phrase? Uh, on that on that specific phrase? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that at some point they would just by accident. Not because they would ever learn anything. Well, I guess it's... And be if, able to string words and thoughts yeah. together just because at some point we're going to, you know, randomly type words. At some point you'll win the lottery, but... Mm-hmm. How many monkeys are we talking about? Uh, a thousand monkeys. A thousand and, typewriters. And for how long? So I don't each, know. And like, they each have one typewriter. I don't think in that, in that, whatever the cliche. That, it's just eventually? Yeah. I guess maybe, I mean, if it's an infinite thing, then yeah, yeah. eventually it would happen. Eventually it would. But I don't know. I mean, if it's just a purely random thing. I think Steve Martin did an essay on this, did like a little uh, yes. short thing on this. And it was very funny. In one of his, uh, one of his collections of short stories, I think. Yeah. It, I think it's maybe pure drivel. But. Yes, it is. Because in that one, they also do the, how to, how to properly work a sledgehammer. And it's he's just a brilliant, very, he's a brilliant man. Yeah. Is he an inspiration to you? Uh, yeah. Honestly, I, I used to, when I was a kid, I'd watch his stand up, and it's weird how that, we made that nice transition into mm-hmm. this. Yeah, oh, um, it's not my first interview, <laughs> Mister Sasco. <laughs> you glom onto what they give you and send it right back. Yeah, um, we're on the script here. That's <laughs> true. Oh, that's right. Okay, and then we're going to talk about cheese. Yeah, because um, I do like but cheese. But don't give it away. <laughs> Steve Martin. Yeah, uh, I'd watch. I watched his stand up and would laugh so hard that I would make like quacking sounds. Like and a duck? Like a duck. Yeah. And then I guess I ducks are the only things that make quacking sounds, except for you when you were laughing at Steve Martin. Exactly. And then I and then I wouldn't be able to breathe because mm. it's just he was so so funny. Do you to remember me. specifically what you were watching? I mean, um, was it like it was the happy feet it was a happy feet bit and then it was the mm-hmm. uh where he would do like balloon animals. Um was this like a special or do you just mean in general when you'd see him on TV or something? No, this was this was one of his stand up. It was a special, yeah. special okay. yeah, like yeah, concert. Yeah. Um and now so it was like late 70s era. Uh, yes, that's mm-hmm. what I think it was him him doing it cuz he's like stopped. wild and crazy guy type was he wearing like the white suit? Yeah, it was the white suit with stuff? the yeah, okay. arrow yeah. through his head and things yeah. like that. It was funny. 
Yeah. He's a good um, guy. So then you were a little kid then. Yes. You remember you have this memory from being a little kid. Yes. And w- at what point did you decide this is what I'm going to make my life out of? Because well, between the teaching that you do and the performing that you do, I mean, comedy, sketch, improv, performance, mm-hmm. that's a huge, you know, it's part of your, that's your everyday life, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, my everyday work yeah. life, you know, um, I'm much quieter. You're just home. doing this for the money. <laughs> God, that's so incredibly funny. Like, like you can start quacking if you want. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a huge part. And when I'm, I remember growing up being scared of doing stand up. um, well, first of all, I was a very shy kid, very, very shy. Cause I had some major surgery done, uh, when I was a kid and, uh, my parents were very protective of me because they didn't want me to hurt myself, mm-hmm. major chest surgery. So I couldn't like run into things or they were, you know, I was five and six years old when this was all happening. So they were very, very, uh, overly protective. So I was a Pretty big mama's boy and pretty big, you know. What, what Why did you have to have the surgery? Uh, I was born with a sunken chest. And some people can live with it and it's fine. But my my sternum would have kept growing and crushed my lungs hmm. at some point. Or it would have been, there would have been problems in the, in the future. So they waited for my body to get S- strong enough, enough to be able to handle the surgery. Yeah, because they yeah. had to crack my sternum completely. Hmm. And Do you then, have memories of that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, did they, they? You were probably asleep at the time, but well, the the surgery itself. Yeah. yeah, I remember waking up one time after one of the surgeries. I think to get the metal bar and screws taken out of my chest, mm-hmm. and asking if I could go back to sleep. I remember having some friends visit and um, opening gift or not being able to open gifts because of the was it the IV that you have that you have that oh, I had really? in the back of my hand. Um, I remember giving blood for all the tests that they had to do for it uh, and not being not being afraid of that needle yeah but then screaming and crying my head off when they gave me my anesthesia uh just flashes that's a stuff, lot that's, you know what i mean i mean i guess those are probably pretty i don't want to say traumatic but bold memories you know that it'd be easier for them to imprint because you think back to them a lot as you're you it was, know it was such a it was such a i mean there were smells involved in it but it was food i remember the food you know like the the hospital food yeah um but just what was done to my body was such a thing that i think it really stuck yeah. you know like uh what is that muscle memory yeah that's what i'm thinking of couldn't remember that. motor muscle memory yeah mm-hmm. so you so because of that your parents were very protective of you and you felt like that ostracized you from some of your classmates in some ways just because you were more like careful about um just like you were afraid you think more because you were so protected there were times when i was definitely afraid of playing too hard in the park or messing around too much or you know people would uh, like playing sports and stuff like that Mm -hmm. always very very careful always very very nervous now but was that like a logical like was that your brain was that in your head thinking oh i have to be careful not to get hurt or was it something more primal like i think it was i think it was based off of my parents because mm-hmm. um, they they had they've said since then like we we really tried to take care of you and make sure you were okay you know they mm-hmm. they've said yeah we really sheltered you after the surgery or, or in between them because there was a couple different ones um 
because uh, they didn't want me to get hurt. So I think just from them always being like, you know, on edge with me getting hurt, that became instinctual for me. You know, that became what I'm supposed to, you know, how I'm supposed to act. Yeah. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be scared. I'm supposed to be afraid. I'm supposed to be nervous about stuff. Um, and so I was really quiet. I was pretty shy. I had friends. I mean, I still hung out with kids and did a lot of other cool things, but, um, I was always very much alone in my own brain at times because I had, there were five kids in my family counting myself. So, you know, I would, I'd never be a whole lot of noise going on in the house. So I would just sink into my own head and play out my own little world. Um, uh, until high school when I started doing, when I did a, a play, I had done some plays and some singing before, but you know, there's also that stigma with boys at that age be like oh my god you're in choir yeah oh my god you're in plays you must there must be something wrong with you right um and but when i got into that was a nice swallow thank you <laughs> when i got into high school i did the pirates of penzance oh. it was a huge cast and i like the movie the kevin klein movie where he's in, i never saw it. kevin klein that plays him in the pirate the main pirate he'd probably be really good at it that was a i feel like i have memories of seeing that movie multiple times and liking it i wonder as an adult what i would think uh probably very different i watched he-man recently <laughs> and it was <laughs> the cartoon awful. or the... the cartoon okay oh no not not the movie that one is that one is epic <laughs> I think it's called Master He-Man Masters of the, Masters universe. Of the universe with Grildor. They made up new characters. Why yeah, you they? can't do that. Man. Yeah. Made it and they made it present day like Earth. Yeah. They, they were like somehow got there or something. Bad news. And they hooked up a keytar and that provided <laughs> so I don't really remember everything about it. Sounds like you remember a lot. But Yeah, yeah, I could go on about it, I guess. What was more traumatic, seeing that movie or the surgery? But when I was a kid, I loved that movie. He Man. Yeah, because yeah. that was because it was my favorite cartoon brought to life. Yeah. Um, if they had done a Thundercats live action, that would have been great that as would well. Have been better. Silverhawks. I was really I into that. Silverhawks. You don't remember Silverhawks? No. Oh. Maybe, I'm sure if I saw the theme song thing or whatever, I think we're about the same age. So yeah, I would uh, assume we have the same references. But no, Silverhawks. I don't know. It was basically Thundercats. But in space, but birds, but yeah, but hawks, <laughs> and then there were tiger sharks, which was basically it's really? the exact same thing. It was it was were they underwater. tiger sharks or were they tigers that were also sharks? No, they were tiger sharks. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. At least I, from what I remember, yeah, yeah, that's okay. the most vague of all. Okay, I will look all of these up, and I'll let you know which ones. And prove me. You got to prove me wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not going to prove you wrong. I'm just going to let you know which ones have some kind of uh, impact to me memory oh do please thing. do yeah. yeah but okay how do we get to how do we get to he-man traumatic experience oh, pirates of penzance pirates of penzance <laughs> the first play i did in high school yeah um and it was literally like somebody opened that door in my head where because i had always been very imaginative and very silly and crazy in my own brain in my own world mm -hmm. but now i saw i'm like wow you can do that on stage and other people are like this and it's awesome. You know, I don't feel so weird anymore. I don't feel so 
What character uh, did you play in Pirates of Penzance? Oh, was God, it like a main like character a, or was it a secondary? No, because this was my first one in high okay. school. So, you know, I had to get my seniority, yeah. which ended up not working out anyway because I don't like to play by people's rules. Anyway, we'll get to that, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> no, I just played, I played two different characters. I was a, one of the pirates in the first act. And then in the second act, when the policemen come, I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that. I don't remember There's, anything you know, very <laughs> officious, you know, prissy. Can we swear on this? I forgot to oh, ask yeah. that before. Do okay. can, you can, this is a, um, for mature audiences. I hadn't, I haven't had the urge to yet, but I was just wondering. Yeah, don't hold back. <laughs> You're in a safe place here. <laughs> At this lovely Formica table. Yeah. It has a leaf that could go in it. Yeah, it can get bigger. Uh, don't give away all the behind the scenes details here nobody needs to know that we're talking a, in my kitchen are you gonna do a behind the scenes podcast <laughs> well there might be maybe there'll be like a little video look <laughs> this is the the aluminum bottle you drink out of yes um it might not be aluminum it might not it be it could be some kind of it could be stainless steel a poly cotton blend it's hard to say um so what were we saying I love tangents. You played two different characters in Pirates Penzance. Yes. And they weren't major characters, but it got you got the bug a little bit. Oh, it totally got the bug. Because there were so many people in this show and it was just finally I get to I, I get to I came out of my shell. You know what I mean? Like yeah. completely. And I mean and literally I think I was mentioning before how you know, during playing sports and everything, I was always so careful and so scared of things. Now I could uh, in high school, not that I played too much or, or, or went to the park too much, but I remember we went to the park one time and I was just throwing myself everywhere. It didn't matter. You kind of did being on stage make you lose your inhibitions about any, like completely. Was there, there's a connection there? Huge, huge connection. And I, I'd say that I'm still, um, I'm very, it's like my, what is it? Feet on the ground their feet planted firmly on the ground, head in the clouds. Mm-hmm. Cause when I go out and perform and when I teach and when I get into these plate rehearsals and stuff with, with friends and with, um, uh, my peers in this, in this business, I, I love it and it's great. And I can just totally be crazy and silly, but and you're a very physical performer. I think as far as like you use your body. Yeah. Um, and, um, so, and that makes me want to ask you some questions about training, but before we do that, mm-hmm. why don't we talk a little bit about, um, something that's coming up soon is the Tim and Micah project, the versus show. Yep. Just, um, can you tell us a little bit about Tim and Micah project and this particular run of shows? Uh, Tim and Micah project started about four years ago. I think, um, me and this other guy, Micah Philbrook were like, Oh, we've always wanted to do a sketch show together. We had done a lot of improv together. We had worked together at the sketch comedy festival, Chicago, Chicago sketch comedy festival. And, um, it's weird. I feel like I'm plugging. Things. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, I'm gonna leave that alone. Ooh, there we go. It's okay. No, I'm all awkward and nervous. Just relax. Just, relax. Um, <laughs> just imagine you're in the pirates of Penzance. There we go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we had been talking for a little bit. Uh, I put together a group called Trim the Fat, and he wasn't able to join that because um, he had other stuff going on. But what kind of group tri- was that? Trim the Fat was uh, a group that I put together of people that I liked working with because mm-hmm. I had gotten a sketch group or improv a sketch group. group or yeah, because I had worked with all these people in improv, and and I knew who I liked and I knew who I didn't 
like and who I didn't want to work with. Yeah, you pick out the people that, you know. Yeah, so so I literally said, I'm inviting you guys to this because I really like playing with you and I really like, you know. Who was in that group? Oh, a bunch of people. Um it was a large group? It was a it was a larger group. Yeah. Okay. I could I could try to name everybody for you if you want. Try to name everyone for me in 30 seconds. Tristan Tanner, Molly Hall, Mike Hall, Mike Berg, Nick Vatterot, um uh Tim Lally, Bob Egan, um Alex Fox for a little bit, and then oh, I'm trying to oh, uh Farnham, Josh Farnham. Wow, that was a large group. <laughs> and it started even bigger. So what happened? That, but then it that got group, smaller and smaller. How long was that a group? That was a group for maybe a year. And then it year just kind of fell apart. It fell apart because I realized, oh, even if I handpick all these people, there's still going to be different um, uh, personalities and ways that people like to work and stuff like that. I actually, and looking obviously looking back on it, I figured it out. I was like, I should have just been the director. Okay. And ask people. To okay. Do All right. We're getting, we're, we're getting, getting, yeah, far afield. So, there's so much to talk about. And I, <laughs> I think part of the challenge for me is, um, I like to try to understand things chronologically in some way, because okay. it helps me paint the picture of like how you got from A to B to C, you know? Sure. But, um, so I want to go back. I want to go back, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention to, um, listeners who, uh, maybe don't know who you are. Just something that was that was coming up soon. So you're in yeah. this Tim and Micah project. You have a, sh- a run of shows coming up called Verses. Yep, and it is going to start uh, this next Saturday, the 12th, February 12th through March 12th at uh, Donnie's Skybox Theater in Second City. Yep. Second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's go back in time, and then we'll sure. ca- and then we'll fill in the blanks. Keep me keep me on track because <laughs> okay. I will I will tangent. No, that's fine. That's good. The tangents sometimes are fantastic, and I'm as guilty of them as anyone. <laughs> so, uh, but going back at once, so you're in the Pirates of Penzance. You're at school. It gave you this newfound sense of just that you could express yourself and and be physical and not be so afraid. Mm-hmm. And so then what how did you how did that change the end of your high school experience then um uh it was i i basically knew what i wanted to do you know for a while you most kids you're floating around and you don't know what you want to do and i was like this is it i want to be an actor i want to perform because you do you catch that bug and it's was like, it comedy based at that point or was it just you want to perform i wanted to perform okay um uh singing acting um, not necessarily dancing, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I really liked performing at that point. Um, and, uh, because of my parents and because of my own lack of self-confidence back then, I kind of, I went to a community college for a year and not that that was a bad thing for what, f- for nothing, for just getting, just to be getting some gen- general education stuff out of the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was actually great because that even more solidified the fact that it was like, nope, I want to. You get were learning out of the house. about all these other things. Yeah, I'm, and I know, I know, I want to go and do theater somewhere. Yeah, and study it. And I did. I went to the the next year. I went to um, Illinois State University and started studying acting. Did you have to audition to get into the program? No, it's not a conservatory there. They treat it like it is sometimes. Yeah, but it's not, and it's. So just anybody who's like, I want to go to school for acting, 
you apply, you can go and they're like, there. okay, and then they're they look at the roomful of people and they're like, all right, what do we have to work with now? Yeah, yeah. I, they may have changed it since then, but when <laughs> I was there, that's what they were doing. And um, it's, it's uh, oh, man, there, there's a whole lot of bad teachers that were there at the time. And now you there do, are some negative you, things that were you there. You do a lot of teaching lot. now. So mm-hmm. I, what would you have thought? What do you, as a teacher now, what would you have thought seeing the version of you that started acting classes. Oh, wow. Like, you Good know question, I mean? man. What would your impression of yeah. yourself have been? Um, w- raw, just raw, like, uh, uh, not yet controlled and chiseled and, and, and refined, you know, mm-hmm. cause I, I could have, I was very loud and I could sing, but not that well, not that controlled. Um, uh, I had like sort of a natural, tendency towards comedy but you know being able to get that away and and um uh get to some drama or more dramatic moments i remember i did a a monologue a dramatic monologue and everybody was laughing at it and i'm like why is this (laughs) that's my teacher i'm like why why are you guys laughing at it and she said because you're funny tim you're just you you're kind of naturally funny and uh you need to, and it, 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 that was a process of learning how to put that aside or to just work that other muscle of being able to be dramatic and be do you think, real. Do you think, can you articulate that anymore as someone like, how do you do that? You, uh, I see it now in a lot of people who come into second city, um, and they've got an instinct. It, it's literally, I, I consider it an instinct. Uh, for to go for a joke or to make to make the funny happen, you know, with their body or with whatever. For me, it was Steve Martin. It was Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson. Mm-hmm. Um, watching these guys, I was just like, that's, you know, that's funny. And I tried to move and be like them. Um, it's getting that away and being honest about what it is that whatever character you're playing at the time is. So if it is a funny moment, it's but it's real. It's a real moment of tension and then that release of tension. Uh, if it's not, if it's a real honest moment of uh, being scared or, you know, being mad, because uh, I was being mad and being trying to be sad in that monologue I was doing, mm-hmm. and but having all of these wacky movements and all of these, you know, facial expressions at the same time. So I wasn't really investing in um the the feeling of that character or the intention the objective the the verb of that character whatever you want to call it and so all of those things you're talking about apply to being funny too though definitely yes do you, would you like to know how or well, yeah <laughs> tell me more i mean i will say that um i like personally i've never taken an improv class mm-hmm. um and I'm much more familiar with like, uh, with film acting. And I mean, I've seen a, a million sketch groups over the past couple of years. Cause I've yeah. been around sketch fest and known lots of people doing sketch. Um, but I've never had any training or anything. And I'm learning from interviewing people, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the like philosophy behind some of this stuff. And I, I just started reading, uh, truth and comedy and, you know, we're talking about a lot of the same kind of thing that you're yeah. talking about, but I think that that's probably 
um, unfamiliar to most. Like, I think a lot, anybody, I think it'd be surprising to a lot of people who don't, um, who've never had any training or heard about that kind of thing. Yeah. Before. When, when people come into a beginning, a level a class improv at second city, that's what they think it's supposed to be, you know, big wacky movements and let's repeat lines from movies and, mm-hmm. uh, um, trying to make jokes. And what it really is, is getting rid of all of that and getting down to, for me and for what I would, Micah and I are constantly doing is asking ourselves in the reality of the scene for this character's reality, whatever it is, if it's, these are wizards, if, is it, um, these are, it's a couple that is breaking up, you know, for whatever, whatever the reality is, um, in the world that we create for them, is it true to that character? Because if it's not, um, you're going for a, you're, you're trying to go for a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who's like, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. No, I'm sad. And it's uh, like, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel natural. It's not a discovery. It's a, uh, it's put on, um, it's forced. And, and I think people feel that. I think an audience feels that. But I guess what I'm wondering is what you're, are there students who like would challenge you and say, well, I really like um, stuff that isn't like that. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know and what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you, like, I just watched um, Anchorman again the other night, mm-hmm. which I've seen a million times. And I think it's like the funniest Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> and I wonder if what you're saying applies to like their method. Um, in that movie, you know what I mean? Like the kind of characters they're playing, they're like way over the top. And, but at the same time, you know, maybe they're being true to this character that they've created for themselves or they're in the moment. Like, how do you, in the first 60 seconds of that when they're, cause he's getting ready for the, yeah, the he's thing. doing this talking exercises and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite. And when it's the, the, the human torch was denied a bank loan. Yes. The, one of the funniest things ever said on film. <laughs> um, but they set up, this is who that guy is. Mm-hmm. He's overly cheesy, overly, you know, like that. These are, these are his facial expressions that he will use. Um, I'd have to go back and see it again to mm-hmm. be able to say for sure. But I'm guessing there's a couple moments in there where I'm like, eh, you know, that doesn't seem right for that character. Mm-hmm. But even that moment when they start singing Afternoon Delight yeah. in there, you just, those guys would do that. And then, of course, they would go out and get into a huge fight and kill people. Well, they play it all very straight. There's never a moment where they're like, P.S., we're kidding. You know what I mean? Actually, There's I, never like a moment of self, like, um, you know. Of we just made a joke? Yeah. There's one that I can think of actually now that I said that, that afternoon delight moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they finish singing it and they all leave. Mm-hmm. If they would have just been quiet and left, and that would have been great because they were done with their their little moment Mm -hmm. but will ferrell says something along the lines of like well i've got things to do or well that was interesting and it's yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah, there's something like that yeah there's the actor watching himself do something silly Mm -hmm. um and 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 it's difficult to not do that and especially in comedy because it's very easy to do that to say look how weird and strange i'm being Mm -hmm. but if you do that too much the audience you lose your audience um, I was laugh- they will disconnect and like physically you can see an audience lean back and they they don't they're not into it as much if you're invested in what it is you're doing whatever it might be 
um, the audience is literally invested and uh, again, physically leaning forward and interested in what's going on. But when, but isn't some, some of your intuitive funniness, doesn't it come through and help you sometimes too? Uh, definitely just like anything, just like, uh, uh, sports and, um, writing music and, um, uh, computer programming. I mean, people have sort of a, uh, a, a gift, a natural talent for something, you know, something that they're, that they lean toward that they really like more. Mine has been comedy. Mm. So I feel that I've got this just natural thing of being able to make people laugh. Um, where I think that really goes from or comes from is for me, at least is from growing up again, feeling shy and not, you know, being a very small kid (laughs) for a very, very long time. Not that I'm big now, but, uh, being a very puny kid, um, and being very quiet, uh, I'd get picked on sometimes, but I could always make, if I made fun of myself, Mm -hmm they would laugh along with me. It's an age old story you tell. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. But I did that enough to, to obviously it helped me out, but also to my detriment because then I, I told myself so many times that I was a short little pipsqueak, you know, uh, that I just believed that and didn't think I could go anywhere else or do anything yeah. else with it. Do you so, feel that way now? No, 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 no. <laughs> and there's been people. How along, did that change? there's been people along the way who have been like, you're good at this. Mm-hmm. Believe that you're good at it. Um, a, uh, at, in school, in college, one of my teachers said, um, why is somebody going to come and watch you do what you just did? We were doing some Shakespeare monologues and stuff. And I said, well, because it's Shakespeare and it's, you know, classical sort of thing. And he said, no, no, no. Why are they going to come and watch you personally, specifically? Why are they going to come and watch you? Well, because, you know, if I've prepared well and I'm really following his language and trying to do... No, 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 no. You, personally, the language, anything, not even Shakespeare. Why would they come and watch you specifically? And he kept asking me that question and I kept deflecting because I didn't want to say that I'm good. Mm -hmm. He said, people will come and see you because you're good at this. And if you believe that you're good at it, that only adds to it. Because I think he saw that I didn't have this self-confidence. And that was the first sort of you know, well, maybe like who was it that was having this conversation uh, with you? Kim Pereira, who I believe is still a teacher at, um, Illinois state university. Um, really great actor, uh, uh, and knew a lot about Shakespeare. Got me really interested in it. Um, but he was also, (laughs) he was very much like, let's get to the, you know, cut and dry. That was good. Or "Mm, that was terrible. And let's figure it out, figure out why he saw that I was just, you know, I'd degrade myself or I wouldn't be as committed or um, confident in something I was doing because I didn't have this, just that natural confidence. Um, and he called that out and I was like, Oh yeah. So it wasn't like a light switch, but, uh, but it definitely made me think, Oh, definitely. I've got to start having more confidence in what I can do, which is why I feel, I still feel weird saying this to people sometimes like I'm funny and I know I can make people laugh. It feels like I got a big ego or something, you know, (laughs) but, um, uh, but I know that that's what I can do and I'm confident in it. If I wasn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now. 
Um, in my kitchen. In your kitchen. <laughs> Recording <laughs> yes. a podcast. Great, man. You make me feel so much better about myself now, too. But, but will, yeah. on the other hand, I saw you on TV last night. Yeah, 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 with the Cupid players. Yeah, mm-hmm. so and we can get to that, too, assuming that we don't run out of time. Um, so you had that conversation in college, and while you're in college, a lot of what happens is figuring out what happens after I'm done with college. So as someone who was going to school for acting, what was your thought about what was going to happen when you were done? Well, I got kicked out of the acting program. <laughs> well, that's a turn I didn't expect. How about you? <laughs> I, uh, I did not expect it. I, uh, if you audition for the school of theater, you have to accept whatever part they give you. You sign a little piece of paper saying that. And if you're an acting major, as I was, you have to audition. So basically, I have to audition and I have to accept whatever they give me. But I was doing so many other things because by my junior year there, I was doing film. I was doing, I was singing a cappella. I was singing madrigals. I was doing jazz stuff. Is this mostly stuff that choir. Ha- was within the school or this outside was, of school too? The film stuff was outside of school. What and was that? I was also in an improv group and that was outside of outside of school meaning it wasn't like a class yeah, and it yeah. wasn't you know supervised or anything like that it was called dependent films um and uh it was just a little independent film thing that we did we liked making funnies and jokes so and, you would make short films yeah. with a little group of people yep okay and like put stuff online or was this pre yeah, youtube yeah. time period no it's it's i think it might still be up there actually okay. i'm not sure and then um and then what was the improv thing that you were doing? It's called then. the Improv Mafia. Um, and this was yet another like little light switch clicked on in my head of like, wow, this is awesome. Um, and it was only like short form games like you'd see on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. Um, but it was, it was awesome. You know, I went out and auditioned my first year there when I was a freshman at, in college. And... Um, I got accepted into this and it was again like a whole nother world opened up to me of was it something where like uh, was it something that provided training and you were part of a troupe or was it just like a troupe you auditioned for or uh, it was it provided we had rehearsals every week and okay. so we would learn the games and try to figure out we were just, you know self-taught so um, we tried to figure out how we could make it better and what we can do and that sort of thing um, and was it like, so I'm just trying to figure out where, was it like associated with the school at all? Or was it just the only independent? Way it was, How did you hear about it? Uh, it independently. Just, somebody somebody okay. came from a different school. They transferred from a and different school. And they're like, school. hey, there's this improv group and they're doing tryouts? No, they said they wanted to create an improv group oh, at the school. Because mm-hmm, there wasn't okay, one. Because okay. a couple of years back, they had taken improvisation out of the acting program, which is ridiculous and should not have been done. But um, it's such an amazing tool for an actor. Not the only one, mm-hmm. but just one amazing tool for an actor. Um, so they uh, they had these auditions, and then I auditioned for it. I didn't think I was doing that well, but I got in. So this, yeah. but so this was the formation of the group. Yes, when you auditioned. Yes. Okay. So after that first year, this guy who transferred graduated, and he passed on the the torch of directing it, or just sort of heading it up to me. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I did that for the rest of my college career. So it wasn't like an official part of school, but it was 
sort of a school. It was it was a group of students. We had we had a teacher advisor who never ever advised us okay. in anything that yeah. we did, but we just had to have that name on a piece of paper so that we could sign out a room. And at that point, did you had you taken any improv classes? No. Okay. No. So it was your introduction to improv was doing this group. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That was what I was trying to get at. It was really <laughs> painful getting there. But I'm sorry. That's no, what I was trying to figure out. <laughs> I, I told you, man, I'm, I will talk for fucking ever if you let me. <laughs> so you'd had a taste of improv. You were you had to audition. You were doing lots of things. And mm-hmm. then you got cast in something you didn't want to do. I got cast in something. And again, I would say this with that little bug in my head going, you're being really egotistical. But knowing that I'm... At the time, I could I, I was I was really the perfect guy for this part in the Mikado, uh, another Gilbert and Sullivan uh, musical uh, operetta, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I knew that I could play this part really really well. The, the musical director, stage manager, all the designers, everybody who was there part of the audition wanted me to be in it. Um, and you know, again, I had paid my dues. I had done really well in school and done a lot of other you know other things i knew that i could pull this off and they they thought so too they the the director cast his roommate at the time and everybody was always saying oh it could have been more it was probably more like they were probably you know more than roommates and i was like whatever you know rumors aside i was rumors that you continue to spread in a public forum (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I haven't mentioned any names. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it, even then I was like, eh, even as upset as I was. So I said, but they gave me a, a part in the chorus. And then looking at it, I was like, there's no way I can do this. I was doing, I was in another opera at the time. I was doing improv. I was working part-time. I was um, doing film stuff. What I was kind in, of work were you doing then part-time? Geez, I was working at a store called Hastings, which sold, which rented and sold movies, um, and then sold books and CDs and stuff as well. So yeah. just, sort of still in the realm of, uh, creative expression. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you know, I, again, I'd go there and just shelve books all day, And I loved it because monotonous little tasks like that, I don't know, get me off. Who mm-hmm. knows? Um, uh, so yeah, I was, I was, and, and going to school and doing all of these things. And I'm like, I just don't have time to do this. And I wrote a very lovely letter and wanted to talk to the acting faculty and say, look, I've, I've been here for three years or two and a half, whatever. And, and I'm a good student and you all, I've get great grades. I'm always on time. I'm always, you know, all of these things, um, uh, all these directors I've worked with have liked me. All of you as teachers have enjoyed working with me and know how dedicated I am to this but I just can't do this part. I can't invest the time for something that was going to give me so little. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, maybe a little bit of ego, but also just a little bit of knowing what I can do um, and knowing my limits as well. So I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to, you know, to pull this off. And they said, Oh, okay. You're kicked out of the acting program. And, and later on I had found out that it was again, maybe spreading rumors, but, this as actually, I'm actually pretty sure of this is that too many people had been doing that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where they have to, if that's the deal, they have to make people do it. Otherwise everyone, when they get cast as the little part, will be like, I'm not going to do it. You know? Yeah. And there was one other guy 
they, they were using us as these examples. Yeah. Like, look, even Tim Sosko uh, could, isn't safe from, you know, you have to follow the rules, everybody. And they came back to me a semester later and mm. said, hey, you can come back into the acting program if you come and, you know, come and talk to us again. And we'll, we'll bring you back into the acting program. And by then I was too burned. And I was like, no, no way. Mm-hmm. Because there, was, there were still directors there who liked what I did and liked working with me. And they said, don't go to the general auditions. Just come to my callback. Mm-hmm. And they got in trouble for, for doing that as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a scandal if you will, at the, at the school for a while, because. And when did this happen in your, like, where were you? It was two and a half years in. So I had a year and a half left basically. And I had already had a huge problem with, they put me on the wrong general education program when I first got into school. So I was always constantly trying to play catch up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they kicked me out of the acting program. And now I'm like, what? So I went to the head of the, fine arts department or something like that or the the school of theater something like that and he said and he he knew me and knew what i could do and he was just like sorry this happened but let's get you into another program and he helped me in deciding what to what classes to go into but also he was able to say oh you have to do this class well you already took this one so that counts so but then what was your major whatever uh, directing direct oh so you transitioned into directing then yep and you learned how to direct for stage? Yes. Not very well. Again, it's, it's when you get down to that, um, uh, at least at the time, I didn't think I was, I was doing very well. Uh, what am I trying to say here? It's so, like, performance is so much different than directing, mm-hmm. uh, for those that don't realize. Or you, people will see actors like, they act, but then they also direct. I'm like, ah, but they're probably not that good at it. Um, I didn't think I was that good at it after spending three years also, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? What did you acting. think you were doing wrong? Why couldn't um, you do it? It's a little more. You understood the mind of an actor, obviously. But there's more to it. it there's way more to being a director. Sure. You're thinking about this big picture, what the audience is seeing. When you're an actor, you don't really care about lighting and sound. and You get a feel for it, you know, mm-hmm. and it becomes part of that world. But it's not as much as choosing the music because and, you know, the director's watching that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The costumes, the props, yeah. um, the staging, so, the blocking. The, did you find that everything like all that stuff you didn't like, it wasn't the stuff that was as important to you or you just didn't have like, it wasn't your interest to be nope. caring about all that stuff. What was it? When I was acting, I was, you're just so much more focused on all these things working on, uh, movement, working on your voice, working on dialects, working on um, way, you know different types of classical pieces versus modern pieces versus comedic versus physical comedy versus commedia del you know just all of these different things that you're focused on. So you don't honestly have time to be like, okay, let's think about directing. But I'm so glad that I had that opportunity because they made me design something with light they made me design a sound thing they made me um be a stage manager you know you have to do all these practicum hours where you're actually working on a show they made me be a house manager um um you know like for like work in the box office and all these sorts of things so it mm-hmm. gave me such a better understood um, all understanding the pieces. yeah understanding of, of everything else i do i direct now um all i've done is like sketch comedy and improv stuff 
but mm-hmm. going through that it's been like yep great i know i know a little bit more than 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 what people think I, yeah and you, you know, know the language else. too and you know yeah yeah just how to so you grad so then you graduated yep and then what and then i realized that um because uh, i still wanted to do acting because directing was kind of like what I had to go to to be able to graduate on time and mm-hmm. everything like that. Um, I still wanted to to act, but I had such a, you know, obviously still kind of burned by all these teachers who had been there for so long and they did not teach us how to survive as an actor in the city, Chicago, whatever, or anywhere yeah. and make a living off of it and how to do it, the business side of it. They did not go in. There could, that could be a whole you know, year-long I, that's class. That's a common complaint I hear from from people in all sorts of creative art form. You know, like I went to uh, fine art school, you know, uh-huh. visual arts and uh, you know, so many of my classmates I've had that conversation with yeah. years later about how, you know, they didn't prepare us for what to actually do after, you know, we knew how to make things, but we didn't know anything else. <laughs> uh, I know yeah. there's a, I know Columbia, they do a mentoring program and I think at Roosevelt university, uh, uh, downtown they do like a shadowing program mm-hmm. where as part of your grade you have to go and shadow a working actor or a working director or a working singer you know something like that mm-hmm. and you shadow them and mentor they become your mentor because then you get to actually see um but so many of the questions like. some of the questions are beyond just how you even do the job is and go to like how do you make a living doing this how do you interview properly how do you, yeah, how do you, you know properly write Headshots. a resume you know like all mm-hmm. that kind of like just the business of doing it yeah. stuff yeah, you yeah, know yeah, that yeah. you that see everything else seems so daunting when you're first getting into it so how did you overcome that or what did you do well i didn't do it too much for the first <laughs> two years or so you were no, still no, working at the, the book place the no CD? i i had quit that and that's it's it's gone now i think it became a bed bath and beyond actually <laughs> um uh i got a day job because i moved back in with my parents i got a day job and for a year i did this day job but then at nights and on the weekends i would take classes or taking classes at io and taking class or improv olympic um and taking classes at second city i've established on this podcast that we can just call it io oh you have yeah great good um, this whole formerly improv olympic thing come on well i just don't know. Draw. How, how long people... has it been how long has it been two years yeah it? well i'm just saying they should own it it's <laughs> io nobody says second city that place where they do improv and a lot of saturday Night live people came from yeah like, they just to. Come on, man. You've never... On, how long has it been since been on the subway? I'm just... No, listen. I'm just saying in general, <laughs> like, even amongst just, like, people in the scene, they don't say second... They just say second city. Oh, of course. But they also say IO, formerly Improv Olympic. To each time. other? I hear people say it. Uh, I guess not, like, just in casual yeah. conversation. But I just mean, like... I don't know. I had the whole thing about this on an earlier episode about how... <laughs> They're always like IO, formerly Improv Olympic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just drop the formerly Improv Olympic. Yeah. Just drop it. Just say IO. Eventually people will catch up, right? <laughs> they have now, yeah. I, okay. But they still say it. <laughs> well, they no. St- be- well, actually. Because they had honestly, to change it because who- of a legal thing, right? Yeah, because their 25th Olympics. anniversary, yeah, they yeah. had to. They finally got big and they got televised and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. uh, the Olympics found out. And they I'm going like, to start a, a theater company called the Improv Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you will be hunted down so quickly. No, no, I think it'll, I think it'll work. 
uh, or taking classes, <laughs> taking classes at yeah. I.O., thank you, yeah. and Second City. and uh, Both simultaneously? Uh, simultaneously, yeah, which caused a little bit of, you know. I've talked to other people who have done that. What yeah. made you decide to do that? Uh, I wanted to get into it. Again, I had that, still had that bug of improv is great. And at, at that point, were you like, this is what I'm going to make my life doing? I don't think making my life doing, but it's something that I definitely wanted to follow. Because that's a weird phrase to even say. I don't even know what that oh, meant exactly. Okay. I, I didn't realize that, I didn't realize what you could do with it yet. Yeah. Um, and realize how many different, even types of improvisation there are, especially in this city where it's just blossomed over years and years and years of, of doing it. You know, there's long form, short form, there's different theaters with different schools of thought on it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, Doing them both at the same time, again, a little bit of a headache because I had to, I had to get used to being a complete blank slate, forgetting everything that I just learned two days ago in my I/O class when I got to Second City. Right. And um, uh, did that mess it, you up? A little bit for maybe like literally. <laughs> I mean, how different were they? Very different. Yes, um, especially when you get into like the conservatory at Second City, you don't really think about it at the time, but what you're doing is preparing to perform a sketch comedy review like they would at at second city like on the main stage or the etc stage there where as at io they're preparing you to do the herald which is a long form improvisation piece and they don't really tell you these sorts of things while you're doing it you're just expected to finally i had a teacher who i asked straight out i'm like this is driving me crazy i can't i can't deal with learning something over here and then unlearning it and and doing something totally different or at least what it seemed like at the time something totally different when i come over here Mm -hmm. and he said oh yeah you don't have to don't take that information with you when you go into the next class just exit you know be a blank slate when you get into that next class and Mm -hmm. don't expect anything and don't uh because the teacher isn't expecting you to bring any um experience to that exercise you know so you shouldn't bring any other experience to that exercise. What do you mean, though? Because, like, if you're taking a class over a number of weeks, mm-hmm. and then you... Are you building? You are, but if... And and most of my teachers were doing this correctly, I think, in both of those those places. One or two I always had a problem with, but for the most part, um, you, you are building something, but you're building it... I think I was mentioning before about um, instinct and what you're doing when you're training in improvisation is you're retraining your instincts to stop thinking of jokes, to stop, you know, to worry more about your scene partner and your, the group of people up on stage with you rather than yourself. Um, there's a, a list of other things. So, um, those were things that than, both had in common. Uh, second city and IO there's, Oh, they both have a lot in common. Yeah. It's just a way about going about it. That it can be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes more than people want to think and say. But uh, uh, not, since I've started teaching, I, you you can't go up to somebody and say, because it is performance-based and it's very much based on the moment and being and experiencing things in improvisation. And if you are trying to think about what you're supposed to do in that moment, you're not in that moment. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. so in a way, you're just kind of reacting to your training. Like you, you've yeah. trained yourself. But so I don't see how that really addresses the issue of you having these two conflicting <laughs> trainings in the back of your head that are telling you. Because at the time, 
I, I would learn, um, there's an exercise in at second city, uh, which is a lot, you know, kind of at the heart of what they are, which is today is the day get right to it. Start in the middle of a conversation, you know, don't start. Hey, how are you? I am fine. Sure. Who are you? I am this person, you know, yeah. building that. Um, whereas at IO, they like to be a little more organic like that. And it's okay if you don't know this person and you get to know them slowly. At least this is what I'm remembering in my head for these the cl- these two classes I was taking at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I walked in and I said, in my IO class, I was like, I'm going to do, you know, today's the day. Because mm-hmm. I just learned that at Second City and it worked so well and I liked it so much. And they stopped me and they're like, no, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. this is the exercise you're not doing the exercise we're asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to get over the fact that it's not that they were telling me that what today is the day is a bad move, you know, or that second city taught me poorly. It's that they wanted to show me a different way of doing it, of going right. about it. Yeah. Or of experiencing it as a teacher. I will never say this is what you're going to experience. Here you go. I always ask them after, you know, I say, this is how I want you to play this game or this exercise go. And then they do it. And then we said, great, okay, what did you discover? What did you experience? Um, how did that make you feel? You know, you, you talk to them about it and they'll give you all the answers because you can never say, oh, you're, oh, well, actually what you were supposed to feel and experience was this. Right. Yeah. So you start taking classes at two different places. Mm-hmm. And what else were you doing? I was working at a day job. I was a file clerk. File clerk at an insurance company. And then how did you transition from that into where you are now? Uh, I worked at that place for about four and a half years, like to the day mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, I hated it you know, soul sucking day job. And again, it was very mindless tasks that I enjoy doing, but the people there and just the atmosphere in general, working in a cubicle, I'm like, Nope, this is not for me. Um, so for a while I was working toward, um, you know, trying to get out of that and to not make that my full-time job. And uh, Brian Posen was another one of these people who sort of said, let me take your hand and walk you through all of these amazing, wonderful things and give you lots of opportunities and open up yet another door to possibilities that, that of things I could do. And he let me teach. He let me sub one of his classes. He's like, have you ever thought about... Where at? <laughs> at Columbia College. Okay. Um, and he said, have you ever thought about teaching before? I'm like, yeah, I've thought about it, but, you know, I don't really know. And he's like, great, you're teaching my class this afternoon. Because he's not, I, I had been doing improv in the city for three or four years at the time. And so, and he'd seen me do it and he knew that I knew what I was doing, but I'd never, I'd just never done, I've never taught before. And again, you know, I went in to teach and it was like, oh, like I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it because it's that one of those moments of, oh my gosh, this is great. It's not it's nowhere near the same as, as performing, but it's, wow. Why, why did you like it? What gave you that reaction? Um, being able to watch the same experiences and things that I had happen to these kids at Columbia College. Kids, you know, whatever, young adults. Yeah. Um, watching them get it and watching them uh, make these discoveries and have this success where before they really didn't think that they could or something you know what i mean like uh watching them be able to do it because of something i told them mm-hmm. was or how, something did, how I did let that them experience you, how did that make great. you feel fantastic it was it was again it was another like oh my god this is something that uh, that i could do that i would love to try to you know to continue to do um 
Uh, and I never thought about being a teacher before that. So was it that you could tell, like seeing that reaction, did it make you, did it make you feel good because you remembered how that felt personally and felt good about having someone else reach that feeling? Or was it also this realization that this is something else that you're good at? Uh, definitely that it's, as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, oh yeah. Who doesn't like to be, to yeah. realize that, Oh wow, I'm good at this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm good at juggling. I didn't realize that until I started juggling. I'm like, Oh wow, this is great. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, but it's, it's, it's everything that has come along with it since I started doing that, which is also when you get a kid or, or a student, when you get a student who's challenged or challenging you, and you're like, okay, hang on, just wait, just do the things that I ask you to do and you'll get it. And then you see that one day when you do that one exercise and it just snaps and you're like, yes, you know, and it's just praise, praise, praise for that person because they, you know, they got it. They were finally vulnerable. They were finally invested in their scene partner, you know, that sort of thing. So other things come up and I keep discovering like that I like that challenge or that I like this aspect of it as well. Brian Posen is a guy who is all, all over the place. He yeah. um, is, how did, you said he had seen you, but what was your, did you know him really? Had you performed with him or how? About a, a year after I got into the city, was it two years? Maybe two years. I don't quite remember. Um, I, I got through with taking a lot of classes. I'd taken classes for about a year and um, I was just winding down on those. And I was like, I want to audition more and just do it. So I went out and auditioned for anything and everything that I possibly could, um, you know, develop sort of that thick skin to it. And it doesn't, it's not as big a deal as I originally thought it was sort of thing, Stopped you know, getting scared by it. Yeah, exactly. When you just go out and, audition, and you know, you never know what you're going to get and you never know who's going to like it and so on and so forth. So I auditioned for the Cupid players which is a group that he headed, you know, had started heading up four or five years before I started. And Cube Players is a musical sketch comedy group. Musical sketch comedy um, that performs every Saturday night at I.O. Um, <laughs> at 1030. And um, they were doing, uh, they had a set show there. That's when they first began their set show at I.O., but they were at the same time they were doing this you know, writing new stuff writing you know new writing workshop you know and and they got a whole bunch of student level people in there and uh, I was one of them and again one of these things of like wow this is I fit into this because I could sing um, and and was start, you know building more confidence in 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 that area um, and I knew I could perform and I knew I could be funny if called upon to do so. Uh, so I felt good about that, but I'd never written before either. So that was a big boost in my, uh, uh in my confidence of, of, so you got into the group. Yes. I when got you into auditioned. the group. Mm-hmm. And so then you started contributing writing to songs. And, yep. And, that. and then they, and it wasn't like you got into this, you got into this workshop and then you were able to get into the group. It was, it was kind of a separate thing from the Cupid players but they really liked me and they brought me on um, a tour that they went on to uh, Portland 
went out to a festival out there and then they started bringing me in to the set show that they had just started at IO and I got into that and then they invited me to come and be a uh, a part an ensemble member of Cupid Players and I've been doing that for eight and a half years now and you're still doing it yep and that's what I saw you on TV doing <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> wait why don't you talk about that real quick uh, mm-hmm. it was um, on NBC first Chicago first look is it Chicago first look or is it a national thing Cause it, it's a national it's thing a national show yeah it's a uh Anywhere that they, you know, you could see Saturday Night Live. And yeah. that. So after Saturday Night Live, they show the show, and they, they show the show. Mm-hmm. one of the things on the show last night was highlighting Cupid players. And I saw I saw you on my TV, yeah. <laughs> dancing around stage with Jill Valentine and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. In wacky wigs and costumes. Yeah. Right? So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I've done some... I've never done a national thing mm-hmm. before for... Uh, promoting uh, something that I've been a part of. I've done a lot of morning shows or other radio shows or, you know, more like local yeah. type stuff. Um, uh, like for WGN and things like that. But, uh, so does that impress your parents like being on national TV there? It's, uh, it's more of a, when you're doing a lot of performance and stuff, your family that doesn't understand the business doesn't understand why you're not on TV because they like, see people on TV. They see pe- people they are think, on television. They're like they know that you're better than them. They're yeah. like, He's, Tim's funnier than that guy. Why couldn't he be on TV? Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> they they don't get it. They don't understand that there's a whole lot more to it. Um, so being able to show them, yep, look at me. I'm on national television. Is you know, a, it's a nice little thing. Uh, it's great publicity for us, uh, the Cupid players. Um, and I've, I've gotten to this point now where I, I'm not expecting anything to come from it. If something does, fantastic. I'll take the opportunity if it presents itself, but I don't feel that it's going to be something that is going to get me to the next level, you yeah. know? Um, so, okay, we don't have too much more time, so sorry. maybe we'll compress the timeline now a little bit, but from where we were at, you you... So you joined Cupid Players. Brian brought you in to start to get your toes wet on the teaching thing, and you realize that's something you want to do. Mm-hmm. So then what's the short version of uh, you know, the next however many years? Uh, once I started teaching, there was about a year, a year and a half, um, when that first class that I subbed for him where I started teaching more, teaching kids, teaching adults, you know, whoever I could. And it just got to a point where I felt really confident that – Um, the teaching and acting that I was doing, because I was also performing and doing some tours as well, the teaching and acting that I was doing was going to be able to provide for, you know, that could Mm -hmm. become my... That could be your day job. Full-time job, yeah. And it did. And the surprising, amazing thing, uh, I was doing this at the same time as Ranjit Sauri, Mm -hmm. who's the the funniest brown man uh, in the world. I need to get him on here. I've been thinking thinking about asking him, but I haven't yet. He's, He's... so interesting like just the, the stuff that he does just the the goals that he sets for himself and then gets there it's amazing um so we at the same time sort of oh thank you so much mandy the water refill yes awesome um, i'm fine thanks <laughs> uh we sort of did that at the same time and we both re- we both were realizing as we you know because there's that 
there's fear of like, oh man, I'm not going to make any money. I'm going to have to go back to my day job, you know, all of this stuff. But as soon as you open yourself up to be like, this is what I want to do. The opportunities come. You have more time and more, uh, more willingness. I mean, was there like a decision that you made of like, I'm going to get serious about this being my source of income as well as the thing that I really want to do. Yes. Because I wanted out of my day job more than I have ever wanted anything in my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as I wanted a family, <laughs> but more than a, like second or third, you know, uh-huh. in the things. Give yourself a little room there just in case. <laughs> yeah. More than I want to eat to survive. I wanted to get out of this job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that was, that was a definite thing. Like, yes, I'm going to focus on being able to make enough money teaching and acting to not do this anymore. So the moment that that happened was fantastic. And yes, like I said, it was scary, but at the same time, it opened up this whole new world to me. Um, and for a while, maybe two years, I just didn't say no. Just like, yes, I'll take that job. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do that. I've never taught poetry before, but yes, I will do it. Yeah. Um, it's and kind of like a hustle. It's like you're hustling. You're constantly hustling to, not that you're tricking people, but you're just no. like, um, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities because a lot Definitely. of times, I mean, I haven't had a real full-time job for six years. Yeah. And, um, is that right? Five years. It's been a while. It's mm-hmm. been many years <laughs> and, um, it's a weird way to live in, in some ways, but the way it can work is that you just have your hands in lots of different little things. Yeah. You know? And, and I think, and I think that the difference of that is that a lot of times when you do have like a full time job that takes up so much of your time, you say no to things because you know, you don't, you can't give up that part of time, you know? Exactly. And, um, it's, it's, and also because you're, Oh no, you say no. But yeah, also because you're not yet sure that you can do this thing. Like that there's still there's still that fear of like, oh man, am I gonna be good enough to continue on and make money at this? Mm-hmm. This is so much safer being at this full time job with benefits and all So that have you ever stuff. screwed have you ever said yes to something and then been like, Oh wait, I really can't do this? <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> you but then But then, has it been a disaster just, or like what happens? Um you ask for help. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the other thing is that there are so many other people who are out there, uh, that don't show it, you know, on their faces and in their body language, but they're floundering just as much as you are. Mm-hmm. So I found the more that I asked for help with things or the more that I sort of said, was able to say to myself and other people, I don't know what I'm doing all the time. The more they're like, Oh, let me help you. I can help you out. Have you tried this yet? Have you done this? Mm-hmm. And just sort of making it work. Like, when I started doing voiceover as well, this was a little bit further back because I do voiceover as well. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, doing that, I had to get to that point where I was like, okay, I have to write up an invoice for myself. Never, ever done this before. Don't know what it's like. Don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I need to do it. And I asked my uncle and he's like, oh yeah, here's a sample of one of mine. Mm, you know, and, and, and do that. And I, I lately... Uh, uh, for the past two years or so, two and a half years, I've been able to say no, knowing full well that I have plenty of work and I'm not worried about where my money's going to come from, mm-hmm. knowing that I've got steady, um, not uh, not necessarily steady 
work. I wouldn't call it that. But if I needed to get a job somewhere, I could. Um, and I'm so you have I'm more not, options just yes. because you've been doing it longer. Yeah, and de- more um, opportunities given to me by other people who've worked with me. Um, and now I'm I'm doing that too. Like, oh, I can't do I can't teach this class whether I don't have the time or I don't really want to. I can pass it off to other people now as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, you know? So that's where you're at, but what are you doing? What's the rundown of, I mean, we talked about barrel monkeys, mm-hmm. you have Cupid players. Um, there's this Tim and Micah show versus, mm-hmm. um, what, what else am I leaving out? Uh, the show called Bryco, which is, Bryco, which is who me, we had, Brian Posen. And, and we, we had, had, we had, I had Peter Lynn on. Oh, yeah. Guy. And yeah. we talked about, about his perspective of, of that. Mm-hmm. And, so you've got that group. Is there shows coming up with Bryco or is that kind of, no, we just did a show. We, we had a show in the, the winter fall time there. And, uh, but we are all very excited to start writing again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you just come up with some new material. So that's, that's how there's Bryco. Mm -hmm. What else? I'm also directing, um, a children's theater group, uh, from Elmhurst, which is a suburb. Um, uh, they're called unintentionally hilarious. I've done that for the past three, four years with them as well. And, uh, man, they're great. They're better than a lot of the groups that we saw at, are they doing sketch improv fest. or sketch? No, they're doing sketch, doing sketch and you're yeah. directing. Mm-hmm. That's um, great. So I do that. I coach and direct other sketch and improv groups as well, uh, uh to make a, you know, to make a little bit of money, but also to just stay in it and, 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 uh, um, try to get my own ideas as a director out there and what I'd like to see and that sort of thing and challenge myself to, Mm -hmm. you know, do something else. Um, I teach at, uh, Emerald city theater company, which is a kids, uh, theater company. You do a lot of stuff with kids. Yeah. Why is that? Cause they're fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. They get, they can be annoying and they, it can, it can get, you know, like like a lot of things, it can get like it can drag you down. Um, it, it can be a negative experience, but for the most part, it's really cool. Um, uh, you, I work with junior high kids with this, doing directing them in sketch, and yeah, they they're, they're they can be crazy, but they can also really focus and really write some amazing things, and that's what I always want them to do is be like every show we're going to do is going to surprise the hell out of an audience of your adults of your adult of your parents and mm-hmm. of friends because they're not going to think that you could come up with this uh stuff or act it out this well you know right uh it's really cool to to do that um and yeah i work at second city um what do you do for second city i teach their improv program levels a through e mm-hmm there and um i've done some teaching there before with musical improvisation and with writing as well and i'm trying to sort of work my way into that more and try to get more jobs doing that because again it's a challenge and it's a doing uh, what teaching in second city you mean? teaching yeah teaching writing at second mm-hmm. city or teaching musical improv that was another one of those moments when i got my first writing class there where i didn't know what to do <laughs> at all but i went and asked I asked Runjit, but I also asked um, this woman who, unfortunately, has passed recently, Mary Scruggs. Um, and she sat me down and taught, you know, told me everything, uh, including 
one of these things of you know what to do. You know how to do this. Mm-hmm. You just got to get out of your own way in doing it. You know, here's kind of the format of what we do and what we want them to learn after this certain amount of time. But you know the exercises and, and, and assignments and things that, you know, for them to learn about writing, the basics of writing. And I, after my, what was it, six days or something of whatever this intensive, you know, writing class was, I was like, oh, yeah, I do know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and then again, I, uh, I do voiceover. So, and that's not like constant, but, you know. When you every, do voiceover, do you do different voices or do you, do you use your natural voice? You, mostly I use my natural voice because it's low and soothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I do a lot of narration or in-house industrial type um, things. I've done a couple commercials, but um, it literally is a lot of times too low it's too smooth you know for for what they're and it's, <laughs> it's it sounds too weird smooth sasco <laughs> and uh, yeah but i'm not i'm not this is this is not an ego thing at all it's it's again it's knowing where i fit in this thing because there's so much going on even in just voiceover like you mm-hmm. could do commercial stuff you could do just narration you could do um you know uh, in-house the type industrials you could do character work and in that character work you can do character work on commercials you could do character work on radio you could do it for cartoons you know there's so many yeah. different things yeah so you're you're also um you're heavily involved with uh, sketchfest chicago sketchfest what was your title of what you do for them um i i'm i'm, a, I'm an assistant assistant producer Am I? Some, I'm a producer. I'm a, a, a not like one of the upper echelon, like a executive or artistic or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just I help produce it, make decisions on what needs to go there, and you know, um, uh, the groups that come. You know, we all sit down and we'll watch. And uh, I, I, my some of my main duties are um, trying to get groups to apply to it. So going out and finding new groups. Um, and talking to people and and getting recommendations from other people. Um, so it just happened, but when does that start happen? When does when do you start planning the 2012, 2012 Sketch Comedy Festival? We will start. I'm sure that that other things are happening without me knowing about it. But mm-hmm. I will start going to meetings and and being a part of it in June. And it happens in January. happens in January. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm also a house manager for them during and I, the festival yep and i run and host uh sketchubator as well right yeah sketchubator for the what what's your brief description of what sketchubator is it is sketch comedians performing for the other sketch comedians in the festival it's an you, after hours for the for the yep you can get five thing. minutes to do anything you want it could be the most boring it could be the grossest it could be the dirtiest <laughs> it could be the raunchiest it could be the tamest it could be the wordiest it could be the most physical it's anything mm. you want to do you got five minutes you sign up for a slot and then perform crazy stuff happens uh live chickens naked people um uh what else oh just somebody somebody brought on a, a five gallon tub of oatmeal and was just throwing it out onto the stage the entire time. People threw meat out at the audience that we just found three years later, yeah. just this past uh, festival. Um, and there's some things that just are unspeakable that have happened. Yes, that we won't, that we honestly, <laughs> even though this is for uh, an, uh, an audience of adults, we won't mention. 
Um, so dealing with all these groups that come to Sketchfest and then also dealing with students and all the teaching that you do, mm-hmm. what would you say to them when they, you know, they see you and they think, here's a guy who, this is his full-time gig is like doing theater and stuff like what would be your advice to to someone like that who wants to know how to do that how Uh, to make sketch or make theater comedy their life um if they're not already doing it take classes um at at second city at io at um the the what is it called shoot act one which is more acting side of of theater and performance um take a voice class take a movement and physical comedy class take a clowning class um it's not yes you can be really you can be the most amazing and greatest shakespearean actor in the entire world but you'll never ever do improv you know what i mean you'll you'll never you'll never want to go out and do anything else If, if you want to get in into kind of what i've been doing get learn a lot of different things diversify diversify thank you that would i could have said that and it would have made more sense um because i like the way you said it with sketch comedy this is why i love sketch comedy so much you are free to do anything i can uh, i'm not the best dancer but i can i can move to rhythm um so i can choreograph something for myself and do that in sketch i can do a puppet show in sketch i can um do a lot of physical comedy with no words whatsoever like bryco i can do music i can you know there's it's endless the 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 possibilities for sketch comedy you could use video you can use live music and recorded music and sound and that's what i like to play with in tim and micah is uh every piece of of um, every sound effect, every bit of music, everything you hear uh, once the Tim and Michael Project show starts to the very end is all human voices. Um, it's all Micah and I making up these sounds and me singing and layering myself on top of myself and all that kind of stuff. I really wish we had time to <laughs> really get into Tim and Micah because um, I haven't seen the new show that you're about to do mm-hmm. because it was sold out at Sketchfest. Yeah. But um I saw you perform you and Micah perform at Sketchubator and oh, yeah. it was so awesome. Thanks man. I I really loved um the sketch that you did there and I'd seen an earlier Tim and Micah show at at Donnie Skybox I think it was mm-hmm. years ago. Um and I think there's a lot we could talk about just just with that. But we can't no, we can't. We're out of time. But let's plug again so that people can come see it. It's Versus, Tim and Micah Project, mm-hmm. at Donnie's Skybox, at Second City. Uh, yeah, the, the fourth floor of Piper's Alley. They don't like to... Donnie Skybox. That's what you say. You got to say Donnie Skybox. Skybox. You can't say okay. Second City because well, it's not technically... Well, it says Second City, doesn't it? It uh, no. no. It's not Second City's Donnie Skybox. No. Because too many groups that are fresh and not oh, as experienced okay. yet go in there and it's confusing down there they got very four confusing. theater spaces now yep it's yep. i w- tried to go to a show <laughs> a few weeks ago and i ended up visiting three of the box offices before i found the place <laughs> i was really going and i thought i knew what was happening around here you know <laughs> but uh okay so it's donnie skybox donnie skybox uh, it's gonna be saturday nights starting february 12th through march 12th um at 7 30 every uh, for those saturday nights um it's it's a it's a great show uh pretty cheap and you will definitely 
have an experience. And there's yeah. also uh, Cupid Players, which is every Saturday at 10.30? Every Saturday at 10.30 at I.O. At I.O. And mm-hmm. then um, aren't there also some special Valentine's Day type performances? Because this is going to go up tomorrow probably. People oh, have time, yeah. Excellent. Um, um, the On February 14th, Valentine's Day, yes. um, we'll be performing at Stage 773. So you can check that out at cupidplayers.com. And then we also have a special Valentine's show um, on our regular time on the 12th. We're going to have a regular. But it's specially programmed. But specially, for yeah, yeah. Day. We give away some, like, you know, heart boxers and some. We make little goodie bags of candy for people and right. that sort of thing. <laughs> well, thank you, Tim. Thank for you. For spending man. some time talking to me. Yeah. Um, I highly encourage people to see Cupid Players and definitely to the Mike Project. Uh, please since since it's a limited engagement five week run yeah (laughs) um i i think you're a tremendous performer and i i go see stuff because you're in it so oh thank you so feel feel good about that (laughs) i do yet another door Um, has been opened (laughs) uh so i like to give you the the last word here before our our wrap-up music starts so um Whenever you're ready, take us Man. out. Um, now I have to think of something very smart and witty and inspirational for the last thing I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, wait, that was it? That was it. No, I screwed <laughs> it up because then I talked. <laughs> All right, one time more and go. Everybody should listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm.